Blog Talk Radio. There is a watchman on the wall, bringing forth the written word of God to one and all. Are you getting ready? Will you stand or will you fall? Listen to the watchman on the wall. Listen to the watchman on the wall. Listen to the watchman on the Rise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. A new day has dawned. All over the earth, men and women are arising. It's time for the sons of God to awake. It is a day of justice, recompense, Restoration, revival, and resurrection power. Gentlemen, this is Vincent Xavier, pastor of New Wine Ministries. Great to be with you today. We have Brian and Kathy Gray are going to be with us from Tennessee. Uh, Very interesting. We're looking forward to hearing what they have to say. I think what I need to do is uh, send them a link. And I want to make sure that they have the link. Brian and Kathy, if you can hear me, if we're coming through loud and clear, remember that number is 818-369-369. 0326. But let me make sure that I get you a request here. We are going to talk to uh, Gray Hope. Oh, gosh, I don't know. remember the, uh, the address. Brian, Kathy, you have to call. <laughs> uh, 818-369-0326. Uh, I'm sure they're going to be calling in this morning. And we have a, let me check my emails real quick. Got incredible news for you this morning. I want to share with you and I'm excited about it, and you should be too. Um, there we go. Let's see, Brian, Kathy, what do we have? Yes, we are ready. Okay, 818, there you are. There you are. I knew they'd be here with us. Hey, I am so sorry for the, uh, the, uh, the messy introduction, but you know what? It doesn't matter how you come into something. It's how we go out, right, Brian and Kathy? Good morning to both of you. Good morning. Hey, good morning. This is Great to hear your voices. Good to hear from both of you. And, you know, I was rushing to get this done. We had some pretty interesting stuff going on before we got here uh, on the air. Some really good stuff, and we'll talk about it in a little bit. But uh, everybody has been excited to hear from both of you. I want to check our sound, make sure everything is going through loud and clear. So why don't you greet everybody this morning, and we'll move forward. 
Hey, good morning, everyone. It's good to be here. We're so honored and blessed, and uh, it's just like another lifeline. It's really a blessing. So oh. what do you have to say, honey? <laughs> just, I always like Kathy to do it, do it because her voice is softer, and if you can hear Kathy, you can definitely hear me. But hello, everybody. <laughs> amen, amen. So tell us about your week. How have things been going? Has the world changed? Um, how are you both doing, first of all? It's been going uh it's been going really well just in prayer and just a little bit of this and that I um working with some cleaning up a barn and uh counseling some ladies at a recovery center here and uh just watching just taking a peek into the world news and and just getting the temperature of what's going on and, and um it seems like the trend is you know it's just going in one direction it's not going to get better in the world but but thank god you know on the other hand it's like just our uh walk with the lord uh is is definitely getting brighter you know closer to the lord when when the crisis comes i mean there's only one way to turn and that's to the lord in all this that's going on so thank god we have we have his word and holy spirit and um that's our compass, that's our rock, that's our foundation, our sure foundation. And then we have our brothers and sisters in the Lord, like yourself. And we're really looking forward to um, coming up there in the fall for the Feast of Tabernacles. That's something that really um, that excites us. Amen. Well, we're yeah. excited about that, too. Go ahead, Brian. Oh, just, uh, you know, I'm just doing my, my crazy job at uh, working with these kids. And uh, I guess, I guess, you know, it's it's always chaos every single day going to work. You know, the other day we had to physically restrain a, a kid that tried to fight us. And um, but you know, I was I was, um, I was talking to a, a supervisor there who's he's not. I think maybe he thinks he knows something about Christianity, but he's not really a, a Christian. But he walked in the other day, and because. They've been saying that you know we um, we've been getting referrals for kids. That we get more referrals than we could possibly take at the home, but that the the condition of the kids, the spiritual and mental condition of the kids that are coming in, are just getting progressively worse and worse and worse. Just it's really you know violent kids and things like that. And 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 uh, and he said to me just off the cuff, he just said, you know, this is it. This right here. This is how the zombie apocalypse starts. You know, and this is exactly what it's going to look like, and and I kind of like laughed it off because I think where where we're at here is 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 a Goshen, but uh, but it's just the fact that it's like there's there's something happening in the spirit of people. It's just the absolute craziness, and it just occurred to me that a lot of these kids that we have, you know, the the population that they come from, and they're coming off the streets, and there's more than we could possibly ever help. But they're the ones that you see that are gonna that are in Antifa and and BLM and and uh, Jane's Revenge and things like that. And they're just being they're just prime pickings to be recruited by the devil to do his bidding here in the last days. Wow, that is so well said. And you know, talking about those three particular groups, um, right there in Tennessee, there are uh, what we heard two days ago from Pastor Kevin Honeycutt while he was here. You probably heard yesterday. Uh, there were 12 churches or 12 pastors that received letters from someone 
threatening that if they went to church on Sunday that they would be shot and killed, their, their husbands, their wives, their babies, uh, very specific language about the death threat uh, to churches this coming weekend. What do you, what's your take on that? What are you hearing? Um, I, actually, I heard that yesterday on the show, and um, I hadn't heard that here. But, um, you know, it's strange. We don't here in Tennessee, or at least where we're at here in Tennessee, it's, uh, we don't hear too much about a lot of things. You know, uh, for instance, I, um, I heard about the thing about the, the folded dollar bills containing fentanyl, and, and we put it out on uh, one of our church um, chat groups, you know, just to let people know that they're, that they're finding these things in Tennessee. So we're getting, actually getting local news about Tennessee from you, <laughs> which is interesting, you know, because yeah, it's sort of like, uh, yeah. So I, I'm not sure what to make of that, but it's, it's a little bit, I don't know if it's because we're just in this protected bubble where nothing's going to touch us, but, but we had a guy here in, in, in the community who we got a notice last week that there was an active shooter to be careful downtown. And, and Greenville is, is a very small, very small city. If you could even call it a city, it's really a town. But, uh, yeah, we had a notice that there was an active shooter. Nobody knew where it was or what was going on. So we're just trying to be careful, uh, you know, driving me to work. And, uh, and, uh, then we found out later on that a man had shot, went to a construction site just a couple miles from our house here and, and shot a woman. And then he drove to another County, you know, not very far, maybe 30 minutes away and, and shot himself in the head. And, uh, they both just, died, yeah. But, uh, n- yeah, nobody's even talking about it. It's just, it's really strange. <laughs> but we don't have yeah, TV. But... We don't see local news. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, that's wisdom. That's wisdom. Um, I mean, keeping your head in the heavens, that's really, really important. However, at the same time, uh, you know, we, we keep seeing this visual. And, you know, here's the United States of America, and right in the middle of this thing is a powder keg. And the shots are firing all around it. These sparks are flying everywhere. Uh, The fuse was lit long ago in this country. And, you know, we thought years ago that it was getting really, really, really close. And then last year, really, really, really close. And you get into 2020, it was really, really, really close. And uh, it seems even closer now that that detonation is about to happen. That's those sparks that are flying everywhere. And you're right. Nobody's talking uh, about the things. For example... Uh, just a few days ago, last week, a, uh, a young black man had a young white girlfriend who was nine months pregnant, and he, he sawed her head off because they were having oh. some kind of dispute, and he cut her head off. How come that's not in the news? You could look it up. I was going to bring it forth, and I just thought, you know, uh, you know, there's so much of this. But why isn't that being reported? What, was it because he was a black man cutting a white woman's head off? Uh, mm-hmm. what, what, was, what was around that, that? That's not on the news. I mean, don't you think maybe 20 years ago, someone cutting someone's head off would have been main line headline news? Oh, my gosh, it would have maybe shocked the nation today. If we don't even report on it, what is that? It's, um, it's bizarre is what it is, because when I, when I look back at, yeah, just 20 years ago, just if, even half the things that we know about today were happened 20 years ago, people would be freaked out and and now they just kind of like shrug their shoulders like oh, oh well yeah well yeah they cut her head off okay next <laughs> right right uh okay very good so 
here we are. It is, um, you know, we're, we're getting ready. There's a decision coming down any moment now. I know we talk about it a lot because uh, we're wanting to connect us to a biblical reality, but today, maybe tomorrow, you know, there's a great, you know, uh, possibility that tomorrow uh, the Supreme Court, who supposedly they have all fled their homes, the Supreme Court justices have fled their homes and are in safe houses uh, for the first time, I think, in American history, I mean, always decisions from the Supreme Court. I remember in 2015 when they were handing down the Oberfeld decision, we were actually there on the Supreme Court steps uh, to legalize marriages. Nobody was hiding. Nobody was going to safe homes. Now the Supreme Court justices are hiding in safe houses because most likely tomorrow the decision uh, to overturn Roe versus Wade is about to happen, and now we have this great threat of rioting. Uh, can you speak into that just a little bit? I mean, it's yeah, crazy, it's right? It, well, it is crazy, but, but, you know, the thing is, is we, we have so many uh, news data points, you know, things that are emerging around the world, and everything is, they're all kind of pointing to the same biblical reality, last day's reality, but they're all coming from different directions, and it's really hard to keep your mind, you know, focused on the bigger picture without getting too drawn into one single issue. There's just so many things coming at one time. But, um, you know, it's, 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 I was reading, you know, Jeremiah 13 to 15 again to this morning, and, and it's just the same reality. You know, it's like uh, um, at the end of Jeremiah 13, um, uh, God says, you know, I'm going to raise your, her skirt over her face and that, uh, and, and rebukes her for the rebukes Israel for the abominations that they did in the high places, and of course in the high places they would go they'd go to tabernacle and then they would go up into the high places and they would sacrifice to Baal and Asherah and Asherah was the very first transgender um, in, in recorded history and it's, wow. it's there's nothing new under the sun it's it's just the the same exact thing and um, it's it's just it's just bizarre and I and I and I read a. a I heard yesterday that there is uh, Joe Biden is going to be signing an executive order, giving um, you know, guaranteeing the rights of uh, of same-sex people. But specifically, they mentioned same-sex foster parents. And the the home that I that I, we work for here, the, the um, Holston United Methodist Home for Children, Holston United Methodist Home for Children here in Greenville, Tennessee. They actually have a lawsuit against the Biden administration um, to protect us from having to, uh, you know, give kids to foster parents, same-sex foster parents, single foster parents, Muslim Jewish foster parents. They only want them to go to Christian foster parents because we're a Christian home. And uh, they have a lawsuit, and some of them are just like, oh, I think it's just going to be just fine. But I, I don't I don't really see how it can be just fine in the current environment because – I, again, I, I don't believe that God is going to come in and save the day. He has taken his hand off this nation. And just like it says in Jeremiah 14, you know, do not pray for this people. In the same sense that he did it back then, he's he's saying the same thing today about the United States. It's uh, We're surrounded by people praying for this nation, praying for prosperity, praying for a restoration. And I just told some people the other night, we, we need to pray for repentance, that this nation would repent. But I don't know mm. if we, I think we might mm. even be beyond that. So, yeah. but to get just to get to your point, it's like we're seeing these things happening, and it's just a progression. It's just a progression. The darkness is advancing. It's going to cover the earth. Well, absolutely. Let me just read this real quick. It's, this is from Alton, Illinois. 
a man was arrested after decapitating his ex-girlfriend and dumping her head in a dumpster, investigators said. Earlier this month, Lise Dodd's mother went to visit her daughter's new home in Alton, Illinois, just north of St. Louis, Missouri. Police said her mother was concerned because she hadn't heard from Dodd. When she arrived at the home, investigators said she discovered her 22-year-old daughter's decapitated body. Police were able to identify the suspect, 22-year-old Duundra Holloway, and arrested him about an hour north of where the murder took place on June 9th, according to police. Holloway and Dodd were in an in and off uh, and on relationship for two years. Uh, Lise Dodd was beheaded. She was also pregnant with an unexpected date of delivery in mid-July. Alton Police Chief Marcos Polito said in a press release, the sufferings of the victim are horrible. Nobody should have to endure the Lise and her unborn child went through. So here a man cuts again the head of a woman off who's pregnant and dumps her head in in a dumpster and it's not hitting the mainstream media. The freak show that is going on in Washington, D.C. right now, and it is, and I'm being kind about it, it is an absolute circus, it's a freak show, and there's something backing that power to such a degree that all you do is see Joe Biden fall off his bicycle and he's laughing everything off. Everything is being laughed off, laughed off, laughed off. Oh, come on. It's as though that guy is getting all the ice cream he wants and he's, and he's just being ridiculous. Only God knows what he's really doing behind closed doors. I think a lot of people probably know a little bit about it. Meanwhile, the farce is going on about the January 6th issue, while 12 churches just received death threats, and uh, Merrick Garland is barely moving. Uh, It took a senator from Arkansas, Tom Cotton, to get somebody to even budge in the direction of death threats of a night of violence and rage and rioting. So, I mean, heads being cut off, mass shootings, Uvalde, Texas, Uh, Buffalo, New York, Tulsa, Oklahoma, and it just doesn't stop. It's swirling. The sparks are flying. Detonation has to come. And then this transgender issue and the homosexual LGBTQ issue, it is just like a massive freak show. And churches are praying for prosperity. And that is a dichotomy. That is an insanity. And I have to say that we must stand up and say what God said. There is no turning back. There is no repentance that's going to turn America back to God. It's not going to happen. America has crossed the point of no return. The saints of God living in this nation, um, you know, I'm not sure, and not until this thing blows, if they're ever really going to wake up. And yet events are happening everywhere, Brian and Kathy, that should have awakened this nation and the church in America first, long ago. But as Patricia Joy Xavier keeps saying over and over and over again, judgment begins in the house of God. And I think we're seeing judgment on the church right now for its inability to arise up out of the the bed that's spoken of in Jezebel's bed, uh, the sick bed of Jezebel. They cannot rise. What's going on here? I think there's a there's a tendency within the body of Christ to you know Romans eleven twenty two it said behold therefore the the goodness and the severity of God and we have I, I think that the primary denominational split in this nation is we've got denominations on one hand that behold the severity of God but don't really they don't they deny his power and his goodness you know in terms of like cessationism and things like that but they're very quick to like understand his judgment. 
But then we have the, the stream that we're kind of like a part of here, not, not formally, but this is where God has us serving. And there's this overemphasis on his goodness and a complete denial of his severity. And it's like to be able to comprehend the love of God, the love of God encompasses both his goodness and his severity. And when Jesus went into the temple and kicked the, and, and made a whip and went into the temple and turned over the money chambers tables and chased all the animals and the, and the merchants out, he, um, he, he was just as loving then as he was when he was healing the blind man or casting out demons. It's like God is love. Everything Jesus did on this earth was love. And if we're really going to understand God's plan and his purpose and, and where he's going in, in terms of from here towards the, the wedding supper of the Lamb, then we've got to behold both things, and we can't deny one or the other. But, um, yeah, just – but. Uh, you know, trying to explain trying to explain the severity of God to people in our stream here is like it's like talk to the wall. <laughs> they don't yeah, get it. I, you can imagine Prophet Jeremiah walking through our nation. You know, I always said this. Wouldn't it be an amazing thing if suddenly Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Isaiah, some of the other prophets, if God raised them up in America and they begin to declare their message, Jeremiah. He spoke, and they put him in prison. They smacked him in the face. They wanted him out of the way. They fed him with a bread of affliction. Nobody wanted to hear his words. He didn't want to say what he was saying about the ultimate doom of, of the nation because he knew that God was good. And I think a lot of us believe that God is so good. He's never been. I don't think God could be any gooder than he's been to us. He's been so good to those who place their faith and trust in him. But when it comes to the national reality of a Judeo-Christian nation who has turned its back on God, now you see this big sign in the middle of these protests, America is not a Christian nation. It's the Barack Obama thing. America is not a Christian nation. He said no longer. It said, this sign said it's not. So uh, we're living in this tepid environment, and it is like Sodom and Gomorrah, and maybe there just needs to be more vexation upon the heart and mind of the people that live in this environment, uh, I don't know, because it is a very strange thing that life for some people is a, it's just an extravagant blessing from the Lord. Uh, and, and, you know, we're not seeing any of this stuff. It's all around us, like you're saying about your Goshen. And there you are, you know, uh, working to bring young men and women to, specifically young men, to a saving knowledge that maybe today, it doesn't look like it's producing fruit, but your labor is not in vain, and they, somehow in the future uh, your work is going to produce really good fruit, and um, you're, you're saving. Actually, there's a young lady here, Selena, Selena uh, Williams, is saying that she had been uh, part of a foster home. She said, God, please help those children. Speaking of the kids you're helping, Brian and Kathy, she said, I was raised in foster care, and I was fortunate enough to have Christian foster parents who planted seeds in me. So um, I think the lawsuit's important. I think they need to win that lawsuit and not turn children over to the, uh, the freak show that's going on or to the Islamic you know, curse that is in the earth or anybody else that is going to abuse these children mentally, emotionally, spiritually because their eternal soul is on is being weighed in the balance here. I mean, this is really important stuff. Yeah, it sure is. Yeah, and these kids are, you know, a, a lot of them, just the, the, the um, trauma that they've been through is just the most, it's just, it's staggering. I mean, I went through a lot of trauma as a kid, and a lot of, a lot of the staff there did too, but some of the things that these kids are experiencing now, it's just, 
it's off the Richter. It's on the scale of like seeing people get their heads cut off. You know, it's like not that specifically, but but on that scale of violence and things they've been subjected to from the time they were five or six years old, and 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 now they're you know. 14, 15 years old, and they're completely off the Richter and, and literally demon-possessed, which is the other thing that, you know, we're, we're at this place where there's a – I'm not, I'm not sure if there's a, an acceleration and an advancement in, in terms of demonic activity or I'm just becoming more sensitive and more aware to it, of it in this place. But, uh, you know, I, I, I go in and I can't, I can't go into a place where there's all kinds of doors open and just try to clean the house and cast demons out, so – so, you know, we, I, I go in and I, I bind them, you know, when I'm dealing with a kid who's out of control or whatever, and, and sometimes it works, but it seems like, you know, I, I'll go in the other day, there's this one kid, he was 12 years old, his, his father's in prison, he's got all kinds of, uh, you know, learning disabilities and whatnot, and uh, he just kept trying to run out the door, and I just, uh, and then he came, we put him into his room, and he went to bed, and he came and he complained about this demon that was in his room. And we've heard it from other kids that have come in, you know, and they just they, they repeatedly have the same type of experience. And this kid is really mentally challenged, but he was giving he was giving the same exact description that these other kids had had given. And so I just went in and I just said, I just bind you in Jesus' name, and um, put my hand on his forehead and prayed for him. And um, you know, he was fine. He, he he went to sleep, and I just made him repeat after me. I said, if anything comes at you, just say, you know, I bind you in Jesus' name, and made him repeat it. And he, he, you know, he said it. And he was good that night, but then the next day, it was like things were even worse, you know. So it's almost like I go in there, and and, uh, and we're stirring things up, but we can't really cast them out. And, and um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe Patricia knows something about that, but... <clears throat> Yeah, it would be really awesome to have someone like her or, you know, just to, you know, go out there and be invited by that Christian environment and, and let the work of deliverance really take place in that ministry. I wonder if they'd bring a lawsuit. Hey, you're not allowed to cast demons out of these children. We need them demon-possessed. We need to put fear in them by our demons. I mean, is it legal to pass cast out demons where you are? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's legal, but I, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, given what they what they try to do with conversion therapy and make conversion therapy illegal, I mean, you're 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 allowed to convert from a from a heterosexual into a into a woman, a heterosexual male into a into a woman, you know, but you can't like convert someone from homosexuality back into into heterosexuality. So I, I wouldn't put it past them to make it illegal to do to do a deliverance. So. Okay, so Brian and Kathy, we we know that what's going on in this world, uh, we we cannot overemphasize or you know uh, just understate that this is unbelievable. What's going on on planet Earth right now, all over the world, all the signs that Jesus said would would accompany the arrival of the Antichrist, all the signs that He said here's here's here are the labor pains that are a sure sign that a birth is coming. And here are all the signs uh, that are assuring us that the Antichrist and the Great Tribulation are now at the door. There's a few more things that need to be unveiled or understood, and we need our minds to be open to the revelatory Word of God. Uh, But everything that has been written that accompanies this is here. And again, a few more things that have to be 
before the actual appearing of this Antichrist and the beginning of the greatest tribulation to ever hit the face of the earth. Do you think that Christian men and women who are in the world laboring for the kingdom, doing the work of the Lord, that they are cognizant of the signs of the times and realizing that the arrival of this Antichrist, which is probably what's got Joe Biden's mind and the left's mind and has the globalist mind, you know, all these things, it's like these demonic powers have taken hold of their minds, and that's why they just, they're going about being demon-possessed, bringing Satan's, you know, uh, will into manifestation, waiting for the one to come. Um, Do you think Christians are really understanding this, and are they preparing? Because you don't want to be, you know, uh, and I hate to use the term, you know, you don't want to see people panicking and running around like chickens with no heads, not knowing what to do because they never really considered that this moment is coming. Uh, Do you think the church is ready for this moment? Not even close. (laughs) Not even close. It's, you know, sometimes we, 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 we meet people here that, you know, we start talking about eschatology and, and Matthew 24 and its connection with Daniel, with the book of Daniel and revelations 12 and 13. And, 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 you know, they nod their heads, and it's just sort of like it seems like they're getting, they're kind of getting it. And we're, we talk about Jeremiah 14 and, and about the judgment, the, the similar judgment that's that's upon the, you know, the United States. And 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 then and then within an hour, they're they're talking about how God is going to restore America again. And it's just sort of like it's. I think it's the 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 Second Thessalonians of strong delusion that that God is giving people over to. And it's just, it's just bizarre because it just even seems like just even before COVID that you could sit down and have a conversation with someone. And and we just kind of all agree that we each have our piece of the puzzle that we can put together. If we come together, we can put it together and kind of get a good picture of what's going on. And, but people just have this, these ideas in their mind that are just absolutely not biblical whatsoever. They're, you know, it's like I think Pastor Jeff said was talking yesterday about the cultural aspect of Christianity that that people are cultural rather than biblical, mm-hmm. and and they have there are these little subcultures within the body of Christ, like the you know like again I I wanted I wanted Donald Trump to be a president, but I didn't wasn't going to go about turning it into a religion, you know, and there are these people that are still hanging on to this thing, and it's just. It's just it's absolutely bizarre, and the only thing that that explains it would be something demonic and a strong or the, the strong delusion given by God, because it's just like okay, fine, this is where you want to go, go your own way, you know. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I was also thinking about what Pastor Jeff said yesterday about the um that poll where there's more um Christians that don't believe in God today than uh than when that poll was started, I guess, and like the great falling away. And it makes me think about like, you know, what Brian was saying about like Christians, like looking towards our president, Donald Trump to save the day. And, and then when all these false prophets were prophesying, you know, that he's going to be the next Cyrus and he's going to be president and he's going to win and we're going to, there's going to be a great revival and da 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 da. And, and then when these, all these Christians that just, put their faith in that, which I don't know where it says that in the Bible, but, like, so then, like, they got disappointed, they're mad at God, they're falling away, and, and, um, and so when, 
when this does come to pass, when the great tribulation starts, you know, where are they going to be at? I feel like, I feel like what came to my mind was, was um, in Matthew 25, the um, the parable of the vir- the ten virgins, and it's, you know, Jesus placed it there. It's he talked about that. It's all one um, sermon, you know, 24 and 25, and. I had that when my friend called and she was going through a great trial and she was a strong Christian like I was. She was raised in the same church I was with Holy Ghost and full spirit, you know, full gospel. And uh, she just kind of got watered down and caught up in the world. And I felt exactly like I didn't know how to help her in a way because, like, like you need to have this relationship. You need to have oil in your lamp. And I'm like, I wish I could give it to you, but I can't. It was just, you know, and I think that's just going to, is a picture of what's coming. And as Christians, you know, we better have oil in our lamps. Because when it comes, when the tribulation and the trial and the fiery trial comes, and, and we're screaming and trying to run to our friend who is presently in the word in it, as a Christian or a pastor and say, help me, help me, you know, it's a little late because all the, it should be done on your knees with your intimacy with God, you know, and you should be in the word knowing what's coming and what time times we're living in. So it's just, it's just crazy. But yeah, that, that parable of the 10 virgins is, is something that's just really speaking to me these days. Amen. Well, it is. It's, it should be speaking to every one of us, you know, that claim and lay claim to the, you know, the, the faith in Christ. Uh, I want to just shift a little bit of what we're talking about here uh, into some scripture because, you know, we want accuracy, right? Uh, we want to understand all that's going on through a biblical lens. We want to understand and interpret the world in its current condition. And the only way we have found to do that that makes uh, genuine reality or sincerity and truth is by looking through the Word of God. Now, something that we've been saying for quite some time, I want to I put this in proper perspective. Uh, today is the second day of summer. Okay, summer began yesterday. So when I go back to Amos chapter 8, verse 1, and I read in Amos, now we've been prophesying, and again, not we have done it in our own strength or our own thinking. God has given us a scripture, a passage of scriptures, to read for three years now. This message has gone forth every single spring into the summer. And since 2020, since we've been prophesying these things, we've seen some summer events take place. Now we're in another summer. And I, I want to read this in Amos 8.1. Thus saith the Lord God, uh, Thus hath the Lord God showed unto me, and behold, a basket of summer fruit. So this is all about summer. He said, Amos, what do you see? And I said, I see a basket of summer fruit. He said unto me, the end is come upon my people of Israel. Now, because it's an Old Testament passage, well, we have to, you know, use biblical license to take this and put it into our present condition in a Judeo-Christian nation. So God says um, that the end is come upon my people. I will not again pass by them anymore. There's a finality here. And I think we're getting really close to this. Verse 3, and the songs of the temple, these are the churches in America, the songs of the churches 
shall be howlings in that day, saith the Lord God. There shall be many dead bodies in every place. They shall cast them forth with silence. So now we have a letters that are being sent that we became aware of two days ago through Pastor Kevin Honeycutt in Tennessee, where you're dwelling. And it wasn't just 12. I'm sure these letters are going out everywhere. Investigation is kind of sleepily going out, warning pastors not to open their doors this coming weekend. Because there's going to be now a lot of people saying, well, that's fear tactic. That's intimidation. We're going to stick our chest out, be bold. We're going to beat our chest. But there's something more sophisticated. There's a biblical reality that has been declared that the, 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 the temple or the church gatherings are going to turn into howlings, and there are going to be many dead bodies. Now, we're already beginning to see this happen in churches. There's been some minor church shooters, active shooters, and now it's getting a lot closer. Um, is this something you think that we should be taking heed to? Can we even fathom the possibility that God is declaring a summer of violence, that churches are going to be the center of attack? And many people are going to be shot and killed or bombed or set on fire or some other means of destruction is going to hit the churches of America today, speaking specifically about organized religious systems. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it sure looks that way. Uh, we, don't, we don't know for sure about Bible prophecy and our interpretations of it, except in retrospect, but it sure sounds that way. And, you know, and then verse 11, it says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord thy God, when I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread, nor thirst for water, but of, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And, uh, and you know, again, it's like I, I 100% agree with what Pastor Jeff said yesterday about the fact that the churches are looking for revival. And even here, it's, uh, you know, there's a, the stream here is, is very much focused on post-Reformation church history and, and the Great Awakenings and, and, and prophesying that there's going to be this, this great revival. And it's just like the kind of revival that's going to come is going to be an absolute total desperation and, and absolute fear and terror um, that's going to draw people close to the Lord, but, but not what they're hoping for, not this just sudden everybody just drops everything, closes the bars and, and the you know, the whorehouses and whatnot, like it happened in the Azusa Street revival and, and, and coming to church. And I, I just don't, I just don't see that. However, you know, the, the kind of revival that I do see is, is um, the kind of revival that revivals that have taken place in Africa, the places where we went to mission school in Mozambique. You know, there was a period of time when Mozambique was kind of like a, the vacation spot for, for South Africans because they have beautiful beaches and, and clear ocean water and, and whatnot. And, uh, but then, you know, they also have a history of civil war and communist takeovers. And now you've got a full-on Muslim revolution where the African branch of, of ISIS is, is just burning villages and killing people. But there's been tremendous, tremendous revival there. But the context of the last revival was, was, was civil war, uh, um, communists fighting, fighting the, 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 the villagers there and taking everything over, killing everybody. And then there was this horrific flood where people were in the trees. And when, when Heidi and Roland Baker went into the villages trying to bring food, the people were just like, we don't want food, we want the word of God. They were absolutely desperate. They were just like, I mean, but it was the most horrific apocalyptic scene of, of human suffering that, that we've seen anywhere on earth. And that's what drew people to 
to to to surrender to the Lord and seek Him and want His Word. And I, I think that's the kind of revival that we might see here in the United States. But um, for what's coming, it's like I that scripture sounds spot on to me. And you know, Brian read verse eleven, but that's not the end of the sentence. If you go on to twelve, it says, "And they shall wander from sea to sea and from north even to the east." They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord and shall not find it. So is that because churches are closed and Bibles are illegal? I don't know. Or if they're just looking in the wrong places for a word from God. I don't know. Yeah, well, let's go back to verse 9 with everything you're saying right now. And I do want to applaud Pastor Jeff Bash yesterday. He knocked it out of the park. You guys are right on for reminding of that. Uh, Amos chapter 8, verse 9, this is the thing that – uh, keeps confirming a vision from 31 years ago, and it shall come to pass in that day, saith the Lord God, that I will cause the sun to go down at noon, and I will darken the earth in the clear day, and I will turn your feast into mourning and all your songs into lamentation, and I will bring up sackcloth upon all loins and baldness upon every head, and I will make it as the morning of an only son and the end thereof is a bitter day. He's talking to the churches in America today that have been lukewarm, compromised, have capitulated and tolerated every wicked and evil thing, and even participated in much of it, and God is saying he's going to darken the earth. To me, that sounds like a cronial mass ejection, a solar flare. He's going to allow nuclear weapons to be detonated and bring an electromagnetic pulse. This is the worst-case scenario that all government agencies have been talking about, we've talked about it for years, about a lights out, a grid down. The first 30 days, 10 million Americans dead in the first 30 days of a lights out scenario, and then it accelerates after that, and the chaos and the confusion and the murder, and he says it, your feasts are going to be turned into mourning, and your songs into lamentation. This is God's rebuke to an ecclesia or to a church that has just participated in the evil rather than standing up, standing out, speaking the truth in love, warning. I mean, the outcry of the church in America when, when all these evils were taking place from legalization of abortion 50 years ago, homosexuals getting married, being accepted, accepted, accepted. Well, now it's judgment day. This is the time in everything in this Amos chapter 8 prophecy just seems to be so rich with life. And that is a scary thing when you stop and think about unprepared people all over this country and how the powers of darkness are going to use this to feast upon the flesh of kings and captains. This is a serious time, guys. Yeah, it sure is. It sure is. Mm-hmm. There's, and, and again, there's just so much, so much going on, you know, um, not to distract from what's happening in the United States, but it's a, there's a, a, a UN Security Council meeting where Russia is actually bringing charges against Israel for bombing the Damascus airport, where its ally was um, is Iran is trying to bring weapons in, and and uh, you know Iran now has the IEAA um, has said that Iran has the fissile material and they are going to make a bomb. And they don't, I don't think they have the missile technology, the ability to launch a, uh, a nuclear weapon from Iran and successfully hit Israel 
but that's why they want to move, you know, everything into Damascus and do things from there. And they've said repeatedly over and over again that they're going to they're going to wipe Israel off the map. They're going to drive them into the sea. And um, it, it's uh, it, 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 interestingly, at right, I think it was right about the same time, or maybe even at the exact same time that Joe Biden was falling off his bike, or at least the media was covering him falling off his bicycle. They didn't even report the fact that there was an attack. The Russians bombed a, uh, a U.S. Uh, Syrian coalition, Syrian rebel coalition uh, base in Syria. Nothing through the U.S. was uh, was damaged apparently, but but they did attack a, a U.S. coalition base. And so things things are comp- are really heating up. And I think we really need to keep our eyes on Damascus and pay attention to the social upheaval and things that are going on in our country here but also keep our eyes on what's going on with Israel. Amen. And, you know, it's sad that Israel is promoting the largest homosexual gathering in Tel Aviv in the whole world. And so, you know, in our Judeo-Christian mindset in America, we're, we're hand in hand with Israel and we're the good guys and they're all the bad guys. But all these good guy nations are promoting the most vile things that are an abomination to God Almighty. And so there's got to be a shifting in our thinking about we're the good guys, they're the bad guys. I mean, Brian and Kathy, this is critical. And yet what I really appreciate, Brian, when you were sharing your story just a moment ago, the compassion in your heart for that young man that was being tormented by demons, um, there's a time coming on this earth that a pit, according to Revelation 9, is going to open. And there's going to be a release of demonic spirits that's going to hit the earth. And they're going to do a lot of damage. And you're covering these children. You're laboring. You're weeping for the children. And may God bless your heart for doing so. And, you know, this gloom and doom picture of prophecy about the times we're in right now, you know, the born-again, spirit-filled sons and daughters of the Most High God who are obedient to the Lord, love the Lord, and are walking in covenant with God. You know, our reality is not what we're speaking right now. This is not our reality. We are under a hedge of protection. We are confident. We are bold. We are walking in humility. We are walking in the blessing of the Lord without using God's word to get things from God. I mean, there is another side of the story, and we love that side of the story. And we call all Christians everywhere, starting with ourselves, to pure and holy repentance within the very best. Now, what's sad is Jeremiah did say that the time would come that the very best of them would be like a briar or a thorn. And we want to make sure that as a remnant, that our walk with God is genuine, that we've gone through the refiner's fire, we have been purged, and, you know, God's going to help produce that gold in our lives. But God bless you guys. And uh, the Damascus thing, Brian, you've been studying that. Where do we find that? In Isaiah 17, I think you mentioned? Yeah, Isaiah 17, 1, I believe. Okay. All right. Please pick it up. Let's go. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I, we're just watching. We get very spotty, spotty news in terms of what's actually happening there. And I just try to, like, I, and I just ask Holy Spirit to show me. And it's just, in, or, in, in Isaiah 17, 1 says, An oracle concerning Damascus, behold, Damascus will cease to be a city and will become a heap of ruins. And, uh, I mean, I, I, I guess I, sometimes I feel like I'm always repeating myself, but I guess that's just how it works with doing this. But it's uh, the city of Damascus. Syria is the oldest city on the earth that has been always been populated. It's been attacked, but it has never ever been destroyed. 
And so it, and it says in Isaiah that it's, um, it's going to be a, a complete total heap of ruins. And, and, it, and now I don't necessarily have this directly from scripture. Just, it's just in my prayers. I think God showed me that, that, um, with Iran, with Iran, who has vowed to wipe Israel off the map and drive them into the sea, you, you know, using its proxies of Hamas and Hezbollah in the Palestinian territories and in Lebanon and, and whatnot, that that um, that if Israel even thinks for one second that Iran is going to move a nuclear weapon into Damascus or has a nuclear weapon in Damascus, I believe that they will they will they will attack Damascus with nuclear weapons and they will destroy Damascus. So, and, and their back is against the wall. It's the world is doing nothing to stop it. I mean, Russia of all nations is, I, I guess I, I never thought that Russia would be, it's in my lifetime anyways, you know, turning it against Israel like that because they're purportedly, uh, you know, Chris, more Christian in many ways than the United States is. But, uh, they're 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 taking a hard stand against Israel now in in for the sake of Iran and for the sake of their allies in Syria, and so everything is just lining up. And to me, that that lines up with we talked last week about the Ezekiel thirty eight thirty nine war, and uh, where Gog comes, Gog and the other nations, the Arab northern Arab nations, and uh, come against um, Israel, and they get they get destroyed, and Israel is cleaning the bodies up for for seven months. <clears throat> Absolutely amazing. You know, and, and the thing to try to wrap your head around is, okay, how does this work? Um, we, we know that, and again, I, I mentioned it, but how do, you, how do you wrap your head around God defending and protecting Israel or Israel being successful at a time like this when their sin against God is so profound? Um, how does that work? How do you, how do you, how do you work think with you, that? I think it's in, in I, I believe it's Isaiah 10, where God uses the, um, the Assyrians Assyrian. to punish Israel for their iniquity, but then he turns around and he punishes the Assyrians because of their own rebellion, too. And okay. so God uses human conflict, you know, as, as, as his rod, literally, and, but that doesn't mean that he's on the side of the rod. And, and I think the same thing happened when I read Ezekiel 38, 39, you know what I see is that God, God allows Gog um, and 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 the, it Russia's allies to attack Israel, but then he wipes them out. You know, so Israel suffers ter- tremendously, you know, as a result of this conflict. But they they win because God demonstrates His glory and His power, and He rescues them. So, <clears throat> that, I mean, that's so, how I see it. So let me ask you a question. Uh, Brian and Kathy, and, and this, I hope it doesn't come across as being a foolish question, but um, you're, you, let's say you have your children, right? Your mother, your father, and you begin to see people doing bad things to your kids, right? Um, you don't sit back oftentimes and just let things go on. You intervene in some way. Uh, now, right now, this, this administration that's in power is demanding, they're fighting to get babies uh, vaccinated, children one to five vaccinated. Not only that, but they're also laboring for these little children to be subjected to the transgender homosexual um, agenda. They are being, you know, this is being flooded upon them. As I understand what, I, what I'm witnessing, watching, transgender homosexual 
uh, you know, and to bring children into this thing, to grow them up quickly. You know, how long, what does it really take? And, and by, by no means am I looking at God saying, you know, what are you waiting for? Uh, there are some people under the altar that are saying that in the book of Revelation. How long, O oh Lord, till you avenge our blood? And they're told just sit back for a little bit until some of your brethren or your other brethren are killed the same way you were for their faith. But how long, what does it take for an environment to become something that God says, all right, that's it. You know, Sodom and Gomorrah, you, 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 the cup is full. You know, uh, what more is it going to take for, for us to realize that there, the hand of God really does have to move? I would imagine right now any Christian would be thinking it. God, God has to do something now. What do you think about that? How does that work? Well, I think it's, um, you know, I, I think every parent – has their limit where it's like they realize that it's that that keeping their hand of protection on their child is not necessarily the best thing for them and i have a direct analogy from from my job you know here and you know we had this boy come in you know he came into church on, on on his first few days and he went up to the altar and he accepted jesus as his lord and savior and allegedly i say accepted meaning He's got to surrender his life and give his life to Jesus. But I think he did the accepting him, meaning he'd consider him. And, you know, he seemed like a good kid. And my wife actually, Kathy, actually helped take him to the bathroom. And she just she just thought he was the nicest kid ever. And um, and, and he uh, he's he was in because allegedly he'd been abused by um, his stepfather. And there's an ongoing uh, uh, investigation. But um, so he was the one that we actually ended up restraining. And what, what led to that was he, we, he was on room restriction. He, we told him to go into his room and he refused to go into his room. And so we have a, a method called TCI restraint, which is a very like, it's basically we call it lending them our self-control when they get out of control. And so we, we went on either side of him, me and another guy, the supervisor, and we started to escort him into his room and he took a swing at me and, you know, and I grabbed his arm and blocked him. And at that point, then, we go into what's called a prone restraint where we just bring him down and, and uh, gently as we possibly can and, and hold him down on the ground on his face until he calms down. Then we gently, you know, bring him back up and kind of help him up to, up to sit on his bed. But so he was fighting and fighting and fighting so hard, you know, and like I was really concerned that because he was fighting so hard that he was, you know, that he was going to get hurt, but he just wouldn't give up and he just wouldn't stop screaming and trying to fight. And so we held him down and, and he, he started crying. And finally he, he came to himself and we, we got him up and he was okay. He was a little bit bruised up, but, uh, um, you know, the supervisor called his mom afterwards and, and she said, she said, thank you. Thank you for doing that. That needed to happen because the, the fact of the matter is, is she had like tried to ground him and she had had um, uh, had tried to put him into his room and uh, make him stay in his room. And he had backed her up against the wall and hit her. And, you know, and then the uh, the stepdad came in and tried to control him. And he did. And he um, the, he so he filed charges on the stepdad. And so it's just sort of like the same kind of situation where the parent is like, I love my son, but it's like somebody's got to do something. And, and if that means that he's got to suffer a little bit on the ground, 
you know, with people who care about him but aren't going to put up with his nonsense, well, then so be it. Praise God. And I, and I really, I, I, when, I, when I see the judgment of God working, I see it working in the same fashion. You know, Brian, I, I, I need to say this. Uh, that young man is not fighting you or the other gentleman that was there. He's fighting. He's angry. He's battling against the one who abused him. He was violated, it sounds like. There's an apparent violation. And when it comes to sexual abuse, as I understand it, I'm not an expert by any means, but spiritually speaking, when a young man is violated, whether it be through violent abuse or casual abuse, something happens to their psyche. And so they spend the rest of their life, if they don't get delivered, in battling against what happened to them. They, they may be an argument with their spouse later on in life. It may be an argument with their bosses. They may not be able to keep a job. It's all because the abuse. Now, you think about the en masse abuse, the multitude of abuses that are being opened up to predators everywhere with little children right now in our society. My God. And let me just uh, – Jody Keene is saying to us, she's from uh, – she and her husband, Richard, are from uh, Sarasota, Florida. She said the prime minister of Israel just announced he is stepping down. Israel uh, government is crumbling. The new guy to be prime minister of Israel wants to divide Israel. And Biden is going there very soon to argue for a two-state solution. She said this is another end-time birth pain increasing. Now, Pastor Jeff yesterday read out of a book or talked out of a book about every time the United States or anybody ever tried to divide that land, something really bad happened. And so, again, this is, uh, you know, just that fitting end-time birth pang, another birth pang on the way. This one may be more severe because we're expecting a birth pang that's going to shake the earth. I wonder what it's going to be. Yeah, it's interesting in Israel. They, they did announce a failed government. I almost forgot to mention that. But, uh, but Benjamin Net- Netanyahu is, is back on the scene and they're saying that he may actually be able to, like, form a new government and just take over, even though they'll have uh, another, I guess, their fifth election in, like, three years in, in October. So it's, uh, it's just chaotic over there. But, um, you know, just about, about this, one, this one particular boy, this particular boy was not, was not sexually abused. He came in complaining, you know, that he had been abused by a stepfather who had to restrain him from beating up his mother. But he presented himself as, as the victim, and, but he was actually out of control. And his parents, you know, they love him. They love him dearly. However, he, 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 he um, stood against them. He stood in opposition to them. He stood in opposition to the very people that try to help him. And he's doing the same thing here. And so, you know, what we do, the restraining, it's like I, I, we hate to do it when we do it, and we do it as very, very gently as we possibly can, but it's because of his own, his own fighting, his own rebellion, his own defiance of authority that, that he suffers the consequences that he did. And when he said, like, well, how could, how could a loving parent allow something like that to happen to their children? How could a loving God um, allow like what happened with the Assyrians and, and what will happen in, in Ezekiel 38. How could that happen to, uh, how could he allow it to, to be done to his child? And I just think that this is a perfect example because his, this boy's mother wants the best for him. His stepdad wants the best for him, but he's the one fighting and accusing everybody else of being wrong. 
And I think so many people today, they're railing against God because how could a loving God do this and how could a loving God do that? And they don't want to embrace the severity of his love, the side of his love. They only want the goodness and the, you know, the fluffy pink cotton candy love where God just comes in and gives them prosperity and everything they want. But it's like Proverbs is clear that an undisciplined son brings shame to his mother and that if we don't discipline our children, we hate them. And God disciplines us the same way. I also, I just like, oh, go ahead. No, you please. Go ahead, Kathy, please. Well, I was just going to add that, you know, I just trust the wisdom of God is far beyond, is is higher than what we see. And it brings me back to um, if I was living when they crucified my Lord, I would not, nobody understood that it was God's best to do that. So I just trust that God knows best, and that's just a really basic thing. I can't figure it out, but all my trust is that he knows what he's doing, and his timing is perfect, and it's all going to work out as he has planned. Well, let's hope, yeah, absolutely. All things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So here you have a young man. I'd love to know what happened to his actual father. Uh, if his father abandoned him, did he die uh, is that anger stemming from, you know, that authority? He's rebelling against authority because the authority in his life, his father, is not there for some reason. I'd love to know what happened to him. So whether, you know, it always goes back to daddy wounds. It goes back to this woundedness of, the, of, of children where they carry it their whole lives. By the way, uh, Pastor Jeff Bass was uh, writing in on the chat room. He said he spent half of his life in a foster home, in foster care. It's vitally important that these children be placed in a Christian foster care environment. So here we have Pastor Jeff Bass, who's been a pastor for 27 years, who's bringing just the glory of God to to people that want to understand these times. He's been in a foster care, so it shows that these programs can work if God gets involved in them. So this is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the only way. That's that. That's the only way. And whether it, whether it's with addiction, whether it's working with inmates, whether it's working with with foster children, um, children who need foster families um, in, in these types of environments, like where, where I work, it's it's Jesus is the only answer. There's no other way. We can throw all the psychology and all the therapies and all the interventions that we want, but ultimately Jesus is the only one. There's there is no other way. <clears throat> Amen. So uh, it's interesting, Brian, you know, you, me, Kathy, and a host of people that are listening and those, you know, people around the world, we're all kind of foster kids. We're all the adopted kids. And and Mm -hmm. for us, God, our heavenly father has adopted us and has brought us into his care. So he is our care. And look what's happened to our lives. And and we can mark the moment when we were without him and when we were adopted by him, when we placed our faith and trusted him, and and he came to search us out and to bring us to himself. You know, that's the spirit of reconciliation. You and I and, and men and women of God all over this world, we want to see the reconciliation. I have a sense in my heart that a massive bloodbath is about to happen in this country and around the world. But I think out of it, there are going to be people that are going to wake up uh, and they're going to call upon the name of the Lord. I really believe that's going to happen. I look at these young men that are being used to shoot and kill uh, these active shooter cases. 
how they're, they're out there, they're doing all this damage, and then when they're finally arrested or apprehended, they look like zombies. They're like, what just happened? Like they're, they're, mm-hmm. they came to sobriety about things. And um, I think that people, they're out of their mind right now, but when this is done, uh, maybe they'll be calling on the name of the Lord. I don't know. I hope so. Yeah, no, I, I, I see the, the exact same thing. And, um, I, you know, I guess maybe, maybe my perspective and, and understanding the importance of discipline and God's judgment, which is his discipline, it's not his wrath. His wrath is the final, I'm done with you, you go into the pit. But, but his judgment, you know, is, is for our good. And in, in Jeremiah 29, when, when the favorite Jeremiah 29, 11 verse is quoted about how God wants the best for us, it's it's in the context of his discipline and the fact that he sent them into captivity and and it's because of his love for them that he's sending them into captivity and i think in this country we've really really lost the um just the loving nature of discipline and it's like to discipline a child should not feel good if it if it feels good and you're taking out your wrath on a child well that's not discipline that's abuse but it is it is like it's extremely, extremely painful to take a hurting, undisciplined child and have to and have to apply discipline to them. And it's only because you know that it that it is for their own good that it can be done. And just as we have to discipline our children, God disciplines us. And if we're not, if He doesn't discipline us, then we really are illegitimate sons. <clears throat> and I know, like for myself, I mean, I came to I came to found his love in the midst of a shotgun blast, point blank shotgun blast. And I had rebelled so very, very, very hard that he had to, he had to knock me down and, and, and take everything away and strip me down to absolutely nothing for, to get a hold of me. And I, I just, I see the same thing in these kids and I see the same thing in, in, in just the, our nation as a whole. <clears throat> Wow. So again, it, it sounds, you know, we're talking about a father who loves the whole world, that God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, right? We've heard that scripture. We're talking about a father who in Second Peter chapter 3 says, it is not the will of God that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And maybe this is the mercy that, you know, so many people for our generation have been going, watch out, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. And maybe the, 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 the pause as we perceive it to be, is God's long-suffering and his mercy. And yet the, the more that, that, that time is extended to turn people to himself, uh, the more we see now it's not just people not believing, it's people that are actually coming against hating. Blasphemy is rising in the world today. But we are talking about a father of love who has a tremendous amount of power. And when he moves his hand, it's going to be, uh, you know, just a very, very powerful moment. Um, my God, Kathy, you've been kind of quiet out there. What's going on? What are you thinking? <laughs> I don't know. I was just, I've just been thinking about the father too, because of father's day and, and, um, it's so important. And, and, you know, a lot of people forget about the father. They just, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus is everything. But Jesus, I was looking for the scripture, but he says, after this, after I go to the cross, you know, he was telling his disciples that you will no longer ask me. For anything, Amen. we ask the Father, and and um, yeah, He is the way back to the Father. You know, yeah, He's our Lord and Savior. My goodness, but you know, He made a way back to us as orphans, whereby we cry out, "Abba, Father." You know, we've been adopted, 
and that's the wound that that affects. I think you hit it right on. That 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 father wound is what is what every single human being. I think that's the root of our sin and suffering. You know, and we go through life trying to trying to fix it, not knowing what we're trying to fix, and we we do all kinds of things and make all kinds of decisions and put all kinds of things in our bodies to to um, uh, cover it up yeah. it or to try to fix it. And the other scripture that came to my mind is uh, salvation is the long-suffering of our Lord. Our Lord is long-suffering. And when I go into travail, which happens only by Holy Spirit, well, it will come upon me, and I just have like one tiny, tiny, tiny glimpse or drop compared to the ocean, all the water in the ocean of God's heart towards his children and how he suffers. I know my suffering for my lost prodigal children that and some that have just made horrible, you know, how much we suffer for our children. And can you imagine all the people on earth that God has long suffered for? I mean, come on. We gotta put this in perspective. You know, yeah. yes he is God. So hmm. again, it's only by a just you know, we're only just scratching the surface of trying to understand it all, but but we've got his word. Yeah, amen. And so, absolutely, in his Holy Spirit. And so I think about a young boy going to school, and he's he's acting up. And so what does he do? He goes into the principal's office. And here he is in the principal's office. There's a man of authority, and he's sitting down. The principal's now talking to him. You know, what's going on? You know, you can't get into the psychology or the psyche of a human being in 15 minutes and just tell them, hey, you know, you're, you're acting up and you're not allowed to do that, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you have a lifetime of woundedness. You have a lifetime of pain. And now the Father, you know, Father God, look at the time he's taken with each one of us. You, Kathy, you, Brian, the people listening right now, how is it that through the years we have been in the council chamber with our father. We've stepped into his office. We've stepped into the, you know, the room and he's been sitting down and, and how father God takes this time to individually, singularly counsel us out of our old mindsets and get into our hearts about what's troubling us and undoing the things that are afflicting us. And I mean, this is amazing. The omnipresence of God, that the Holy Spirit, the father's heart is actually being instilled in us and we're being counseled out of. Look how much time it's taken and the deep work. And it's almost like Father God will stay in that for as long as we're willing to. But the individual that shows up and says, I don't care what you say. I'm against you. I'm rebellious. I don't want to be fixed. I'm angry and I'm going to stay angry. Even people like that. You know, the Lord has, you know, gotten into and wound up saving their lives, I would imagine, to some degree. But this is not an easy work for the Father, but look what he's done in the lives of his children that he's proud to present and say, this is what all creation is groaning for, waiting for, the manifestation of your sonship. I'm about to unveil my workmanship in you and send you to this sin-sick world and show them something or to produce you and say, look what I've done in my son or my daughter's life. I mean, this is the father's heart. This is really the father's heart. And you try to grasp this in the midst of all this other stuff going on. It's amazing. I think it's, it's um, you know, I look at my own life and the people that we, that we work with, the, the, the women in the recovery program and the boys that I work with. It's, um, 
And then in the context of my own life is that, you know, I was one of those God-hating people. I was, a, I called myself an evangelical atheist. I would run around and tell people like, why there's no such thing as God. And I had all the arguments and, and, uh, you know, and I just fought God and fought God and fought God and fought God. And, you know, and he disciplined me along the way and he allowed like, he allowed pressure and, and to come into my life, tribulation to come into my life. And, you know, most, if not all of it, even though I was a kid on my own at 14 years old, I still knew right from wrong. And I still, because I, I was still without excuse, like it says in Romans chapter one, and, and I fought. And, and, you know, when I finally, when I finally surrendered, you know, I, I just like, I appreciated one, God's long suffering and patience with me, you know, and the fact that he just didn't let go of me and he didn't let me get away with and go down the path that I was trying so hard to go down, you know, and, uh, I, the, um, the judge that, uh, that um, sentenced me to five years in prison years and years ago was just died recently. And when we were back in Hawaii, I really wanted to go back to, to see him and, and thank him for that because it, it was like the hardest, saddest, most gut-wrenching time of my entire life. But it was like it was the best time of my life because it's like that's where God really got a hold of me. That's where I really, really, really surrendered. And it's, a, it's horrific to even think about it, you know, because everything, when a person goes to prison, everything is stripped from them, everything. I mean, everything you love, everything you thought you loved, everything you wanted is completely stripped from you. And, that, and when that steel door slams behind you that w- after you've been sentenced, it's just like I, it, you just can't even put into words what that feels like. And yet it was the worst pain of my life, but at the same time, it was the, the best thing that ever happened to me. And I think it's just, it's, it's, I don't know, I think it's just hard for, I, I guess if you haven't been through it, I guess it's hard to really put, put the, you know, put your finger on it and understand it. But at the same time, all of us have different degrees. I mean, the difference between me having to surrender in prison, the difference between someone who surrenders at the altar is just in the amount of pressure, the amount of tribulation that it took to get us there. Because we, People don't come to church. Like Jesus said, you know, he didn't, the doctor doesn't come for the healthy people. He comes for the sick, you know, and he, he didn't come for the people that have it all together and have it all perfect. He came for the lost, the broken. And, and it takes brokenness to get us to that place where we surrender to him, whether it's just a little bit of pressure or whether you're really, really hard headed like me and like these boys that I work with. And it takes a lot of pressure, but, um, you know, I think that, yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to ask you a question, and, and I want to be sincere about this. But I don't want to sound, you know, in any other way. I'm just asking you a serious question. If you had not surrendered your life, if you would have continued in your evil ways, and you would have continued in your, your, your war against God, and you had never turned, where would you be today, and what would your future be? Well, my, the best case scenario for me back then would have been life in prison. That would be the best case. Otherwise, right now, I would be in hell. I would be burning for eternity in hell. That's where I would be. <clears throat> and what does that burning look like? I mean, it's, you know, when you say you're burning in hell, what you're talking about eternity. You're alive. You're existing. Uh, you're aware of your suffering. What is that to you? Yeah, it's um, you, you, my understanding of hell based on what, what I think 
Holy Spirit showed me in a vision at one point before I was saved. And, and what I've heard from, uh, uh, there's a video called, I think it's 23 Minutes in Hell, where a pastor was actually taken to hell. And um, he's completely 100. He's got a photographic memory. He's got everything he says, everything he's experienced, he references it from Scripture. And it's just a place where you just suffer the most incredible sufferings that you can possibly imagine, but you don't die. We have demons that just like tear you to pieces and then you're back together again only to be torn to pieces again. It's where every single craving that you've ever had is amplified, you know, a million times what it is on earth, yet you can never be satisfied. So you're thirsty, but there's no way to satisfy the thirst. You're hungry and starving, but there's no way to to deal with that hunger. You know, if you're a heroin addict, you're craving heroin worse than you've ever craved it in your life, and there's no way to relieve it. It's just unbelievable, nonstop suffering. And the other thing is it's the absence of God. That's the worst part about it. It's like the peace that we have today, whether we know God or not, the peace that we have on earth, the peace that we have within ourselves and our families, and any joy that we experience is only because of him, and there's nothing else. And when he's removed... um, in hell, then that's just the worst possible suffering that anybody could possibly imagine. So that's where I would be today if I hadn't. If he hadn't disciplined me, if he hadn't disciplined me really, really hard when I needed it, um, I that's where I'd be. I'd be in hell. <clears throat> Brian, how many people, how many people in our generation, just our generation, in its present condition, and we're talking about massive death. It's biblical. It's a reality, massive death sweeps the nation, right? So where are all these people going? Do they have any idea? Have they just ridiculed and mocked the idea of eternal separation? Uh, their worm never dies. The man, that, the rich man that went to hell was in torment, um, and there was no way to communicate with him. Um, how many people in a world filled with nearly 8 billion right now are going to hell, into the lake of fire, to be eternally tormented without God? billions it's um you know as you just said the road to destruction is broad and the the road to salvation is narrow and uh he meant it he meant it you know it's uh and and i was trying i was explaining to one of the boys um yesterday who's kind of he's sort of like questioning if there's a god if he wants to believe in god and trying to make sense of it and i said look it's I, i just imagine it this way just to give you a word picture of it not like literally it's like this but a word picture i said you know, because of sin, we're all born onto this big, gigantic conveyor belt that dumps off into a pit. And everybody's on the conveyor belt, and they're partying and going to work and eating and drinking and doing whatever it is that they want to do that they think is going to make them feel good. But their destination is is the end of the conveyor belt and the pit. And there's absolutely nothing anybody can do about it except for one, and that one is Jesus. And he extends his hand, and he, and he offers us a, a, a salvation from that, and... You know, some people take his hand and, and some people give him the middle finger, you know, and that's just all there is to it. And there's really, there's, we're just, all we can do is plant in water, like it says in 1 Corinthians 3, and only God gives the increase. And um, and just be faithful in that and pursue him and, and obedient, be obedient to what he has for us to do from moment to moment. <clears throat> so with that being said, it's not just the, the world around us that's in rebellion, fighting against God, doing all this crazy stuff. But how many people in Scripture think they're going to heaven, think that they're doing the works, we cast out demons in your name, we prophesied in your name, 
I'm a pastor, I'm an apostle, I'm a deacon, I'm this, I'm that. How many people think they're going to heaven but will stand at the door and knock and begin to weep and gnash their teeth because they're not accepted into heaven? I mean, that is also somewhat terrifying, isn't it? And should cause a person who says they're believing in Jesus for their salvation to really understand what that means rather than just some mental assent or some word spoken at an altar one time, huh? Yeah, that to me, yeah, Matthew seven twenty one to 23 is like that is by far, hands down, the most terrifying scripture, I think, in the entire Bible from, from my perspective, because it's possible to be doing all the right things externally and to believe that you're doing all the right things and find out that you're completely, totally wrong in the end. Because it's like, you may know Jesus, but the question is, is does he know you? You know, right now, there's a young man named David Williams. He just got out of prison, and he's depressed, but the first thing he wanted to do when he got out of prison was go to church. And so we're going to pray right now in the name of Jesus. We rebuke the spirit of depression on David Williams. And, Father, we ask you to superabound towards him today and that the fingertip of your right hand would touch him and inspire him and quicken him, and that you would immediately surround him by godly men and women who will be able to assist in his growth and maturing and development and cultivation as he returns to you. Let not the environment of this world sweep him away, and rather than depression, Lord, fill his heart with great joy unspeakable and full of glory. We plead the blood of Jesus over David Williams, and Lord, we ask that you set him in the right direction in Jesus' name. Uh, Pastor Jeff Bass is saying, I read the book Brian said, which is titled 23 Minutes in Hell, and it was so frightening that I repented and rededicated my life to Christ because that book's description of hell's torment was awful. The fear of the Lord, and then it's the beginning of wisdom, isn't it, guys? All right, we've got about eight minutes left in our broadcast. Brian and Kathy, take it away. Speak to the body of Christ. Let us hear your hearts here. I would just like to, um, I don't know if that, that young man's listening, David Williams, but I just, I just heard a little word from the Lord. It said, do not be led by your feelings, David Williams. Yeah. And just, yeah, in my, the word I have, too, is, is not just for David, but for David specifically and, and, and anyone else that it applies to in the world, and that is that, you know, in Ephesians 5, it talks about that Jesus says he prepares for himself a, a spotless bride through the washing of the water of the word. And then in Romans 12, 1 and 2, it says, Offer yourselves as living sacrifices. Um, do not be conformed to the ways of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So uh, it's it, one of the things that happens with people coming out of prison, coming out of these environments, is that there's, there's a way of being in the world that we just take for granted. And we literally have to come to a place when we, when we come into the church and we're surrounded by believers and people that will hopefully disciple us is to understand that offering ourselves as living sacrifices means hands up, right? 
we raise our hands in church not just not just as you know waving at God, but we raise our hands up. At least I raise my hands up the way I raise my hands to the police officer when he when he pointed a gun at me. You know, I surrender. I'm done. My ways don't work. My ways didn't work. They're never going to work. And so I literally have to be willing to take everything about my life, everything that I think, everything that I believed and held dear, and put it to the side. I don't have to throw it away necessarily, but I need to put it on the shelf. And I have to not be conformed to the ways of the world. And not being conformed to the ways of the world means when everything in you is screaming at you to do something, you need to do something different than what that, what that voice is telling you to do. When everything is screaming at you to be you know, resentful and unforgiving, to be angry, you need to choose it. No matter what you feel, you need to go and you need to step aside and not be conformed to the ways of the world. Do something different, and that means being willing to be led by brothers and sisters to do yeah. the things that, that they tell you to do that you don't want to do. Those are the most important things that you must do, the most important. You have to submit yourself to authority in a church. Submit yourself to brothers who will, who will lead you and guide you and be willing to do the things that you don't want to do. And by doing things differently, by not being conformed to the ways of the world, by doing things different than what you're used to doing and what everything in your body is telling you to do, then your mind is literally transformed. It's transformed in the spirit, but it's also literally transformed. Your brain literally rewires itself over time. And over time, it, it, at first it'll be a struggle, but over time it gets easier, and it just will become a natural thing as you become you know, part of the body of Christ as an adopted son. Amen. Wow, and I know uh, Kathy, you're gonna, you're, did you, are you still there, Brian? Yeah. Okay, good. So, um, yeah, absolutely, uh, powerful words. Um, just, I wanted to read this real quick. God have mercy on these precious children. This is written by Tammy Ivy. Maybe we can come together and do a fast and intercession for these children and for Brian and Kathy as well to be able to run this race with tremendous anointing on behalf of the children. I will be doing intercession for you all, blessing and shalom. And then Tammy also said the transformation keeps place with the contemplating. Encourage him to contemplate on Jesus and the word of God. I I, I believe as you were talking, the anointing for everybody listening right now that our prayer should be, God, give us a desperation for the lost. You know, uh, this young man, yeah, exactly. Go ahead, speak into that. David Williams needs, we need to be desperate for David right now the death doesn't prey on him and get him before that transformation can begin in his life. Because that's what the devil will do. He'll try to take him out before God can reach him. So desperation for David Williams and so many like him. May God put a desperation on us. Go ahead, Kathy. Well, I just, um, I don't know where to start, but, but like, you know, it's sad that like my prayer with my children, sometimes they've chosen um, a wrong, bad, dark road, you know, with drugs some of them, and um, there's one, Solomon, who, who just is not getting it, and he's schizophrenic, and it's so bad, but my prayer is like, God, if you have to take him today, please do, but if that means eternal life in heaven, then so be it. I would rather have my kids taken from the earth today and have eternal life than live long old life, a long life, and end up going to hell, and so... I know it's a hard, harsh thing to say, but that's the honest-to-God truth when you look at eternity and where people are heading, you know, to the right or to the left. And, um, man, it's, 
And everyone, you know, even a murderer deserves the opportunity to go to heaven if they repent. Because somewhere along the line of that, that criminal's behavior as a young boy did not get that love that he needed from the father, you know, for whatever reason. You know, I was 33 when I received it. Some people receive that love from, on their deathbed, and some know it from five years old. Praise God, but but none of us are better than the other. And and um, I know, like you said, that God wants all men saved. He wants all men saved. That's the heart of our Father. And um, so it just breaks my heart. I, and just I guess just ask God to show him show us His heart for the lost. Ask Him to give us His heart for the lost. And um, we'll start weeping for them. Yeah, so I just pray, God, that you would just show us all yes. your heart, Thank God, you. for the loss and the time. There's not a lot of time left. Amen. And that you would you, you would just show us your heart, God, for the loss. That we Amen. wouldn't be judgmental towards them. Just as right. we have been given, you know, your mercy and your grace, True. undeserved, Amen. that others are in the same boat, God. So thank you, Lord, that that you would let us see other people through your eyes, God, and the urgency, Lord God, that we would have the boldness to carry your love and to speak your truth, God, to these people, and the compassion. Let us be moved by compassion, God, for the law. Thank you, Lord God. Amen. Thank you, God. Amen. 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 And Father, just right now, we're just thanking you that you will supernaturally pour out your spirit in these last days and that for those wayward men and women, those who are in trouble, those who are engaged in all the homosexuality, transgenderism, crime, all of it, Lord, one touch of your divine love will set them on a path that will change their life forever. And we do pray for that. We pray for the agape love of God to come forward. Brian and Kathy, getting a little feedback right now. Let me just say thank you. We love you guys so very much. We appreciate you. Brian, any last word before we go right now? No, I'll leave it with what Kathy left in her prayer. (laughs) It's a beautiful prayer, beautiful prayer. By the way, uh, you guys will be excited to hear this as well. Tomorrow, all the way from Australia, our dear brother Daniel Second will be joining us on the air tomorrow. So, We're excited about him coming back on the air. Brian, you remind me so much of Daniel. I mean, there's such similarity there. Uh, So hopefully you'll be able to tune in, talk with him as well tomorrow. And uh, that's our good report for now. Brian and Kathy Gray, uh, hopefully some of our guest speakers for the Feast of Tabernacles. If everything is still normal and we're all moving upon the earth, we'll be looking forward to seeing you both face-to-face in October. And again, next week, we look forward to talking with both of you. We love you. May God bless your ministry. May God give you the anointing. I agree with Tammy. May God super anoint you to run this race that you put your hand to. And to everybody listening today, God bless you. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to The Watchman here on Omega Radio, YouTube, Facebook, and Rev Media. And by the way, we sure would appreciate your support. It's been about three weeks since anybody's even sent a penny. So think about giving to the ministry. We would appreciate it. God bless you. Shalom. Have a great day. Brian and Kathy. Take care. We'll see you next week.